you know, the regular season has never been my forte, um, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have anything more to add to that. <laughs> Each year, the 10 members of the Norwich Football League battle for a chance at fantasy football's highest honor. Peachhog is as elusive as the creature from which it takes its name. Owners fight injuries, their own stupidity, and each other for the chance to have their name etched into that hallowed plastic. Some owners are perennial fixtures in the championship, bagging second place finish after second place finish. Others accumulate draft picks and whisper maybe next year in the quiet of their hearts. But in this league, there are only two classes of people, the hogs and the hog knots. This series will examine the character, history, and failures of those who were furthest from the trophy in the previous season, those in the loser's bracket. Through analysis and interviews, we will uncover what went wrong and what, if anything, will make the upcoming season different. Will the bear reclaim its territory, or will the bitch stay in the ditch? This podcast seeks an answer to that question. This is Hog Knocks. Just as good the second time, I gotta say. I, I just hope it keeps aging. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it ages like fine wine, I think. Uh, okay, well, uh, as Colin just said, welcome to Hog Knox, week two. Um, and uh, I'd also like to welcome on for his uh, second appearance. Colin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how, how we doing today? John, doing really well. Uh, I think that the first episode went went well the inaugural appearance on the pod as a permanent host yeah um and i'm hoping to build off the momentum and and deliver another good episode here and that's the spirit um well this week we're gonna take a look at um would you call him our favorite punching bag or not because i'm not actually really sure uh i would say it's not a favorite because the thing about a punching bag is that they're very durable whereas i feel like <laughs> for, for this owner we would want the punching bag to really disintegrate under the blows. Mm -hmm. um, and it almost would become a frustration that we couldn't eradicate uh, their visage from, from the universe. So right. uh, not exactly, but certainly close. Certainly, certainly close. close. Uh, well, this week it's Brian. Um, and look, I know what you're all thinking. Um, are you guys really going to be able to find some new material? We've been at this for so long. We've been doing it so many times. And we don't know. We don't know if we're going to be Yeah, I was going to say, I have no idea. Yeah. It, maybe. It, it could happen. I hope. We're going to give it a, a shot. But, you know, if this is just a rehashing of all the jokes we've been telling for several years now, I think everybody's going to be okay with that just the same. Usually a cloud freezer. It, it tends to be. Uh, okay, well, uh, with that, let's just dive straight into the owner profile for this week's candidate, Bryce Wimate. Well, before we do that, John, we're actually oh. going to uh, give out this week's Best Friend of the Week award, uh, and that so is true. going to go to Alex Avila, and uh, I think the reasons should really be clear to everybody. I I'm not going to get into it. Um, and they are. But, but you know, you, if you know, you know, uh, Alex gets the award Best Friend of the Week, uh, and we're going to move on. Uh, worst Friend of the Week, 
uh, and it's not related to the host or to the guest on this week's podcast, but it's going to be Brian. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move on, John. Yeah, and that's all. Um, well, now we're going to get to the owner profile. And I'm just going to assume that I already did the transition. We'll hope that that was the case. Uh, so uh, with that, let's dive into their 2021 record and roster. Uh, we were doing a little discussion. We had... We've already done the interview with Brian, so we've already discussed it. And I got to be honest, I didn't have it pulled up during that interview, so I am just absolutely fascinated to see what he has on his roster. It's it's pretty incredible. So Brian went five and nine yeah. last year. Uh, he finished eighth, so he was the loser of what you might call the seven eight place game. But really, yeah. it means he won in the first round of the of the losers bracket. So good on him. Yeah. Um, his roster is pretty incredible. Uh. Certainly, we there was discussion about it being the most talented roster ever to make to miss the playoffs. Um, you, you could make that argument. So, his, his final starting lineup was Pat Mahomes, Cordero, and Najee at the running back positions. Tyreek, Jalen Waddell, Kelsey, and Gibson uh, going through the receivers, flex, and tight end. Defensive special teams kind of irrelevant, although he did yeah. have Evan McPherson, who became a bit of a cult hero in the southern ohio area towards yeah. the end of the season just not a, a regular season hero uh, yeah. is probably the issue for brian and then a real cast of characters uh on the bench in terms of receiving talent of chris godwin injured uh lockett dj moore and mike williams and this is now bringing back to me just how poorly Brian was managing his lineup that Brian could not get mike williams in there on one of the weeks all four of those players would have would have started on t- on Chuck's team uh, <laughs> easily, and and I I do know that you can only start three receivers. I don't care. They would have found a way. <laughs> would have found a way. Convert um, Mike Williams to a tight end or something. I don't know. If it's not the most talented team ever to miss the playoffs, it's certainly the most talented bench ever to <laughs> be on a non-playoff making team. Yeah, uh, just extremely deep at pass catcher, and really, I think that was the story of of Brian's season. Really, really just loaded in one position and based on the way that the positions fall in our league uh you can only start three receivers so having eight is fun but not not much you can do to put that to use and can i look at mike williams game spread because i really want to i can okay this is exactly what i was looking for so we have mike williams first three weeks which i remember correctly brian refused to start him yes uh 22 22 33 I believe the first time Brian started him was week four. Week four, 2.1. Yeah. He comes back in the lineup, I presume, for week five, 36 and a half. <laughs> he then proceeds to rattle off in, in order 4.7 by 3.9, 7.8, 7. 7.3. It's quite possible Brian started him every one of those weeks. It's very possible. I'm assuming, if I remember correctly, he didn't play in week 11, 20. Uh, then a 7.9... Yeah, so that's kind of it's it's about average actually from there on. The fantastic thing is that if you look at it, if you just look at Brian's player ranks, it makes no sense that Mike Williams is sitting on the bench. But then when you really look into the fact that some really I don't want to do the math, but some absurd number of his points were scored over the course of four weeks, uh, it makes a lot of sense why Brian would have just said fuck it and just put him away forever. Yeah. And uh, I, I, another kind of story of his season a little bit there was the just Antonio Gibson roller coaster. Uh, I think playing hurt like part of the year 
and just just up and down uh, in and oh, out yeah. of the lineup at that third on a um, bad team too. That's that's yeah, another yeah. On a bad team. Brian did get to ride the the wave of the Cordero Patterson <laughs> renaissance uh, that everyone saw coming. Uh, so I guess, you know, good job, Brian, picking that diamond out of the rough uh, of Atlanta. But uh, other than rough. that, the other the only other thing that really stands out, and it's been well documented, are the three, the three chiefs, Pat, Tyreek, and Kelsey, who down the stretch when Brian needed the most, Went on by, not their fault. Yeah, uh, very much Brian's fault. But then also underperformed in a week that Brian needed to win, um, and and that's a decision to assemble that lineup. That's that's really going to stick with him, not just from how it affected him last year, ending up in the losers bracket, but also because this year he doesn't have a first round pick. So, and Colin, just something to think about. Let's discuss this from your perspective because I do think that it's very interesting uh, that. Um, you obviously the year before uh, won the league with a very similar strategy of let me just absolutely mash the Chiefs button and hope that it uh, best team in the league means best fantasy team in the league. So let's just go. Uh, and it didn't work for Brian. So how do you feel that you got out at the right time? Um, if Brian had made this move like week two and been like, I'm going to ride the Chiefs this year, do the same strategy that Colin did to be so successful last year, you know, well-documented how successful I was, just a lot of success uh, with that, anyway, <laughs> with that strategy. Just so much fucking um, success. Yeah, just suffering from it, honestly. Uh, uh, yeah. But when Brian decided to do it was after eight weeks of articles like, are the Chiefs broken? Is Patrick <laughs> Mahomes just a guy? Uh... Is this the year that the Chiefs come back to earth offensively? And Brian was like, you know what? Let's run it back. Let's um, do it. So I would say in terms of just overall uh, understanding of, of what was going on, I'm, I'm going to say the dreaded word that everyone heard in 100 podcasts and didn't really know what it meant, but a lot of too high uh, in the yeah. league last year. And uh, so, you know, I, I think there was sort of a failure to understand that the Chiefs had changed fundamentally. I think anyone that watched the NFL last year could understand that they weren't as explosive as they'd been in the past. People weren't letting Tyree Kill run wild um, behind the defense on every single play, except for the Browns. And uh, and and so it was just a fundamentally different environment. It was. Um, and I do think, yeah, because even when, and again, this is a big hindsight thing, but when you look back at it, the cracks were very firmly there. Like, not just from a, like, you know, eyeball, like, oh, the Chiefs aren't winning as many games, but, like, you start to look through the numbers and you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't, this is not the, the three Chiefs that you got last year, where it was just like, okay, this is a guaranteed 30 as a floor, like, for three yeah, guys. And that's not to say that, that's it, it, not to say that they weren't, good i mean no. tyree kill obviously half the weeks scored over 20 points uh travis kelsey as far as tight ends go you know was as about as consistent as it gets although the weeks immediately after <laughs> brian got him were, were certainly his worst um he also was just not putting up the the explosions that you that you tend to see he yeah. was more of a high teens kelsey rather than a high 20s Kelsey yeah um 
So I don't necessarily know if it was cracks um, as much as just blemishes, uh, but but certainly it was it was sort of a different situation, and Brian got caught up in that a little. Bit. And it is it, it it's just a fascinating you know, uh, year one it borderline wins your league. Year two, uh, it it absolutely bottoms Brian out. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I I think you know. We could probably move on maybe to more to his lifetime record, yeah, but please. the one thing I think that stands out about Brian's year last year is that it's not often that you have someone at the bottom of the of the of the standings be there not by injury luck uh, or yeah. misfortune as it is, or not by their guys that they drafted high and like sucking. It, it was actually mismanagement of roster, yeah, and certainly some of that is luck um in brian's case it's it's gross incompetence but um a little bit it, 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 i don't know if i've ever seen it to this degree where really he had all of the pieces yeah. and just failed to assemble them properly to complete the puzzle uh so <laughs> which is uh, i mean as anyone who has ever played fantasy can attest it's it's actually very much like the like if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks like yeah. mentality in actual football if you have like five guys that you like are all about the same, and it's just good, a nightmare. It's yeah. awful because you're always going to be wrong. There's no way to be right every time. And receivers just overall are just so good now compared to running backs that everyone has a lot of receivers. Like yeah. you can't you can't be like, oh, who's the team that has running backs? I'll just trade all my re- like I'll just trade good receivers for them. That those kind of swaps aren't available. People are satisfied with the receivers that they have because the passing volume is just there in the yeah, league. You can go too deep on pretty much every team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that right, is so, interesting. So taking a more long-term perspective, I actually did, did take the time to prepare Brian's lifetime record. Absolutely. Um, so Brian, Brian comes in with a preseason overall record of 42, 47 and one, um, which, which ends up being right around, uh, it's a little bit below 500, obviously. And his average finishing place is 5.2. Now, that is not weighted. Uh, it's not normalized for the number of teams in the league. So yeah. given that two of those seasons were with eight teams, it's actually probably closer to five. Um, but but basically, the story there is that Brian's a 500 team that finishes halfway through the league most years. Dragged down by recent performance... Um, in terms of final standings, although not necessarily in terms of record. So Brian has had between five and eight wins every year. Um, wow. He went seven and four in his seven, four and one. Sorry, give you the half Thank in you. there in his in his inaugural and championship winning season. Uh, he then followed that up with five and seven, six and seven, eight and five, six and seven, five and eight, five and nine. Um, so really just locked into that middle of the road and it's funny because i was always supposed to be the mediocre guy but i i've had double digit win seasons um yeah and brian has never even sniffed nine so brian is legitimately the median of this league he he actually is it 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 is the brian line if you can come on top of the brian line you're probably come on top of that all right oh i know i know you will john um, with that with that mustache, you'll. <laughs> I don't, don't know what it. you're. Don't I don't know it. what's. Yeah. Okay. Um. We'll pull up short there. Uh. No. So I, as you say that though, even just like knee jerk reaction, 
so the eight and five season is just absolutely the outlier then. Yeah, although he did have that, he did have the seven four and one, which mm-hmm. was one point from also being from being an eight and four season. So it is true, um, but that was in the first year of the league. Yes, that is correct. Um, it does feel a lot like. It sounds like Brian has some things to prove. I'm not going to lie. It, when I, we were sitting down to do this, I thought that it was going to be a lot of Brian, like, like bouncing around between, like, eight and seven wins. No, no. Brian is generally a below 500 team um, that performs, that gets the fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs and performs well. Yeah. And that's really the reason why he skirted by as not being considered in the lower echelon of owners. Certainly, He's been considered in the lower echelon of people for a while, but <laughs> fantasy-wise, he has a little bit more respect, I think, than the record would would otherwise indicate. So I don't know if that's a mark towards or against his character, but it's definitely something to consider. Um, which brings us to his character, and the last yeah. thing that we like to talk about with these owners are just how how their unique mannerisms, how their character factors into how they perform uh, on the, in the fantasy arena. So... I don't know if anything really stands out to you, John, about about Brian. <sighs> well, let's see. Uh, let's just do a little word association. You say Brian. I I think tall. I think ooh. I think um. I think I think tall, and then I think fall in that order. It's not because they're rhyming. It's because it's what he does so often. And then I think Sasquatch. I think in the pro column is Sasquatch. That's and the then the problem. rest of it is in the con, if I'm being honest. Yeah, just kind of the stumbling, bumbling, backpack on the couch type of situation. <laughs> Which is fascinating, by the way, because every other human being in the world, like, you know, less than like, when you're seven feet tall and not in the NBA, that is inconveniently tall. Brian somehow makes 6'2 or 6'3 or however tall he is inconveniently tall, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, the world was just not made for somebody of his stature. And it's a struggle day in and day out to have to make your own way in that environment. So I I do empathize with the guy. As far as fantasy goes, you know, I I do think he has a tendency uh, maybe to, to overthink. He usually is in the top at least three of transactions every year. Yes. Um as far as just waiver wire trades, things like that. And I, and I find that a lot of the time the trades don't work out. Um, mm. Notably last year would be included in that. Um, so maybe one. it's like, you know, he might just be fidgety. Like just, just leave it alone, Brian. Don't, don't move Mike Williams in and out of your lineup. Just leave him where he's at. Leave all your guys yeah. where it's at. Stop picking up and dropping people. Stop making dumb trades and just see where it takes you, and and maybe it's that impatience uh, that's that's kind of led him down the path that he's on now. Uh, and that actually reminds me of Con. I distinctly remember at some point you told me because we were discussing roster lineups at some point. This was several years ago, and you told me something to the effect of like, "I want to play the matchup. I just play my best guys. Like I I know what guys are good. I'm going to play my best guys every week. Fuck the matchup." And I called you an idiot if I remember correctly. And then I think the next week I proceeded to go out. And, like, I think some combination of Drew Brees and DJ Chark scored 50 points on my bench and I lost in the playoffs. Uh, And maybe Brian needs to take that approach. Maybe Brian just needs to have, like, I need to have 
three receivers, two running backs, and a tight end, and I'm just going to play him every week. Yeah, it's like don't out don't outsmart yourself. You you know that Chris God get Chris Godwin is a, either a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. Put him in your lineup every yeah. week. Don't don't play the dance with these guys that could go off or not go off, and and uh, it's a, it's a learned it's a learned skill. So I, I would say that that might be something. Uh, I don't really want to get into the generic Brian character stuff like sucking um <laughs> being a bitch that kind of thing it's just a little bit overplayed i think um uh, but... well let's discuss because in the same vein do you think that brian has the panic button a little too close to his hand to bring up a phrase from pe- previous podcast iterations um yes uh, yes and no i mean he can you call it panic if you're just mashing the button at all times <laughs> It's not really a panic button. It's more a manic button. Oh. He just is he is just going crazy on the button 100% of the time that he's in fantasy. It just goes like like Reddit fantasy lineup, Reddit fantasy lineup, Reddit fantasy lineup, button button, button 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 <laughs> trade, no first round pick, almost last. How did we get here? So, I, let's call it a manic button and if he's, if if there's such a thing, then his hand is a way too close. I think he has a small black button and it says manic on it. And then I hope he has a bigger red button that says panic next to it. That's just six inches further away. Maybe, you know, like maybe it's even underutilized <laughs> that, that, that that could be in consideration. <laughs> I think it deserves some butt. Uh, okay. Well, with that done, uh, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is going to be to quote Colin. Ooh, Mount Rushmore of Brian. Okay, so uh, for this Mount Rushmore, Colin, would you like to explain the exact way that we're handling the category here? Yeah, so so unlike for Mike, who has a lot of just notable electric moments, uh, as we all know, Brian, not not necessarily the most electric, so I'm not expecting to be able to call to mind that kind of thing. But what Brian does have is a lot of things that he likes, and the manner and the way in which he likes them just somehow makes them just ruin them. So mm-hmm. this is going to be... The Mount Rushmore of things that Brian likes that ruin them for everything, everybody else. Yeah. Um, and if anybody has ever been friends with Brian, you'll know the type of thing that we're talking about. Um, you felt the disappointment of, of realizing that something that you held very dear to your heart was something that Brian had decided to like as well. And you knew that it was going to become intolerable mm-hmm. in short order. So we're going to get into this. And I think I went first last week. So, yeah. John... Well, it's only right we'll give you the honors and let you take the first pick this week. That's fair. Uh, and I think the way that I structured my list, it was, and maybe this is the difference, so it'll also be interesting. It was less things that I already liked that I that Brian then liked, and I was like, well, that ruins it. It was more things that I had had a passing interest in. You know, like, it was like, that might be cool. Maybe I should check that out. And then Brian sat me down and said, you need to look at this. This is so fucking great. And then I said, well, never again. No, I hate that now. So to start things off, and I think that this is the easy number one pick, uh, I'm going to go with the state of Colorado. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Essentially, and I think that this one is really the most true for Garris, and I think you might have been in this category too, where everyone was sort of like, Denver would be a really cool city. Like, you know, 
get out there. You know, you're really close to a lot of like outdoorsy stuff, a lot of hikes. And then Brian sat down and said, yeah, no, I'm going to go teach in Colorado. And then all of a sudden, the Denver buzz really fell off. It, it dissipated. It dissipated really quickly. And I find that that was fascinating um, and a great case study in exactly what we're talking about here. Um, and yeah, for that reason, for the fact that it p- potentially changed several people's long-term plans, I think that it belongs at number one on this list. That's fair. You know, I guess for the record... Uh... My Denver situation was was certainly maybe more affected by my um, girlfriend at the time, now wife, moving to where I was living. But um, that's fair. I, I do know that that in in at least one person Garrison's mind, it was it was a pretty firm blow to <laughs> what what could have been a pretty big dream. So uh, I, I by no means a uh, by no means a faulty number one. Um, mm-hmm. I will uh, I will follow that up with something that very much was important to me before, and I'm glad that I was able to have some time with it alone uh, okay. without Brian. And that's that's Kanye. <laughs> um, obviously, big fan coming out of high school, uh, freshman year, even into sophomore year. Brian wasn't really in the Kanye sphere uh, as much, uh, but then once he was. It just got, everything just got harder. Um, You know, he he would just talk about it, how I talked about it freshman year, but I was done with it. And of course, you know, I'm sure freshman year me and and senior year Brian were both both pathetic, but it it just was, I was at a different place in life. Um, And I will say, it was stuff like, I remember when Kids See Ghosts came out, and I listened to it, and I freaking loved it. Yeah, and that it was like our group chat. It was me, you, Brian, Garrison, and Brian was like trying to get you guys to listen to it. And I and I was just he was like, it's so good, like you'd love it. Uh, you know, Ghost Town Part Two, like all this stuff. And I was just crying internally because I was like, man, this is really good. But now Brian is just making just ruining it for me. Um, and so really, I would say it didn't it didn't ruin the experience of liking Kanye, but it made it so that I felt I had to be a little more private uh, <laughs> about, about my liking. Right. Um, so, so I, that's, I'm going to go with Kanye. At that's number a really two. good pick. That's, and I actually specifically remember that conversation about kids. See And I remember thinking like, I actually, cause it was kids. See ghosts and yay came out at the same time. I fucking hated yay. And I liked kids. See ghosts. And I remember being like, I kind of agree with Brian here and I will never say it. Yeah, and I think that is exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, recognizing overall that this Mount Rushmore is more of a character flaw in all of us than it is in Brian, uh, but I think it's important to understand that that even if it's not necessarily his fault, it is his doing. I don't know um, that it's not his. He has he admitted to me, and I will get to this in one of my later picks. He has admitted to me in the past. He's like, I know. Look, I know. But you should check it out anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so number two, this is another one that, uh, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with a different one from number two because I don't want it to be stolen. Um, this is a little call out to the name of the segment. And I'm going to, to tag the letter O. Um, <laughs> the letter O has this long and storied you know, history in the English language as being 
a letter that you can use. I'm on record as having said things like, oh, that's cool, no. or, you know, I, oh, oh that's wow. A cool thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like, oh, wow. Oh, check that out, yeah. Great. Um, and so I like being able to say the letter O and, and use it even even without other letters, uh, just by itself. Um, you know, an O Father, where art thou, or some shit. I don't know. Sure. But, it, but, but now I, can't, I feel like I can't, because the letter O started to become the letter ooh. 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 Ooh, Colin, what are you doing? If you don't know what I'm talking about, then hope you never do. I'm not going to explain it. It's so annoying. It sucks. And if you ever have an ooh stated before something that you have a genuine, genuine affection for, just be ready to, to want to depart from this earthly sphere. Um, it's ruined. The whole explanation is ruined. And uh, I'll see you in my nightmares. The letter O. I agree completely. Uh, have you ever, uh, on this topic, have you ever, like, accidentally said it? Like, been like... Because it's, like, it's a fairly normal, like, sound to just be, like... Like, be walking by a store and see something in the window and go, like, oh, we should check that out. And I hear it, and I gag. Yeah. Yeah, you just you just realize... I don't even want to talk about it, John. What have I, I become? I, yeah. It, okay. It's it's terrible. I actually didn't think about that one, so that's honestly fantastic. So I'm really glad that you picked that one. Um... Um, okay, so I'm really glad that this fell to me here, because I feel great about it. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go with a little man by the name of Quentin Tarantino. I audibled out of that. Ah. Great. I audibled out of that as my second pick to take the letter O. That's so. fair. That is... Obviously, I agree. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I put off watching Reservoir Dogs for years. <laughs> years. <laughs> And I love that movie. We watched it, and I love that movie now. But it was... I put it off for so long uh, just because I couldn't stand it. Um, I don't know if anything is a more damning review than Brian recommending it. <laughs> and it's crazy because, like, we're, we're honestly pointing it out here. The hit... This is an us problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> think about what we're saying right now is that the hit rate... For Brian's recommendations is genuinely high. <laughs> it's very high. Like, <laughs> but it's it's just in such an intolerable manner that it, you just can't root for it. It's just you hear Brian throw out Tarantino fun facts enough time, and you're just like, I will never watch the movie Django again. I yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, I I I will say this is one, and the reason why I audibled out of it is because it's one that I love so much that it's will never actually hold me back. That's fair. Um, because it's just so good. Uh, but certainly it makes it so that it's just more painful. Whenever I am in, you know, my uh, unreserved affection for a Quentin Tarantino movie, I I do have a little part in the back of my head that's just like, man. Ryan, Ryan is just such a bastard and not an inglorious one. It's it is actually to me a very similar thing to the Kanye thing for you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's comparable. It's like I don't I don't want to talk about. It. I don't want to like ever say out loud like, man, I really love Tarantino movies because of this. Uh, okay, and then for my third round pick, um, this is one that I don't think you would take, but I'm still gonna go for it because it's true. Uh, I'm gonna go with Reddit just as a website app. Honorable mention. 
Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually, there was a time there where I, like, really enjoyed Reddit. I looked, like, looking through it and how everything was sort of categorized. Um, and then there was some weird Pavlovian thing that happened to me at some point where I heard Reddit and I thought of Brian and I just stopped opening the app. Yeah, it happens to all of us. It did. It, it I've never been me. much of a Reddit guy, which is why it wasn't in my actual pick list, but... That's what I figured, yeah. Certainly something that that I've thought about from time to time. It's very connected to him as a person at this point, like just his general like vibe. Uh, and for that reason, yeah, I've just... I've stayed away from it, and I... I I couldn't put it solely on him as the reason, but I, I suspect that that's a, that's a really solidly contributing factor. So yeah, I, I think that's fair. All right, Colin, what about you? All right. So I'm going to come around the turn. Um, I have a couple of honorables. I think that I will save, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with at three phones. Um, Ooh. I like having a cell phone. I always have. They're very, uh-huh. they're very efficient, but nothing has made me want, to just never have a phone again than watch Brian use a phone. <laughs> and what I'm specifically talking about here is 1 p.m. on a Sunday, Brian's in a couch with, you know, one leg up, the other leg is folded 90 degrees across that leg. He's yeah. laying completely flat with his head, neck at like a 90 degree angle, bent over, and his phone three inches from his face, scrolling giggling it's not chuckling if you think i'm joking about it being a giggle it's it's a a fucking it's a fucking giggle behind you in front of you wherever you are it doesn't matter and it'll do it for hours (laughs) oh my gosh and i i I just look at it and i say i can't believe that i also possess the instrument to perform the same act that that human being is is performing right now so um phones uh can i their utility their utility has certainly pushed me through, yeah. uh, but I, I I had my limits tested to to a degree that I would not have expected possible. And that makes sense. Um, to contribute just briefly to that and to, to give it a little more credence, maybe. Um, uh, during COVID, when uh, so Garrison and I were both working from home, Brian was, I believe at this point, unemployed uh, and therefore just sort of hanging out at the house a lot. Uh, and at some point I like came downstairs, like Brian kind of rolled out of bed, like pretty late, like he didn't have anywhere to be. Uh, and then what he did was Garrison was working at our dining room table in the, the ranch, which you guys will all be familiar with. It was kind of just tucked away in a corner. We didn't really use it for anything. And he was working and Brian was on the couch just behind him watching TikToks at full volume and doing exactly what Colin said and just giggling every like one to two minutes for like three hours. And I got a text message at like 2 p.m. And Garrison was just like, I'm going to fucking kill him. He was just like, I'm going to I'm gonna end him. I'm going to take, I'm going to find the heaviest thing that I can. I'm going to throw it at him. And we're just going to see how that goes. Yeah. So so for me, it's like that, but directing the energy at the phone. Uh-huh. All and right. That's where Garrison should have pivoted. Maybe. Um, all right. So I'll come around the turn. Uh, and for my fourth pick, I have this one with a, with a slash because, and it's maybe a little bit cheating, but yeah, go for it. Um, it's in the same category, and that's going to be Bill Simmons slash the NBA. Um, I had that as an honorable mention, yeah. I was a notable early adopter of Ringer content 
very much enjoyed it. I don't think I talked about it that much. I certainly brought up Bill Simmons in the group chat and things that I had revealed to me through his and others on his network's podcasts. Um, but then sort of this, through this sort of arms weight race of one dimensional information streams that Brian and Charlie got into where Brian would criticize Charlie for only thinking, only bringing up things that Barstool posted and Charlie would attack Brian for only bringing up things that the ringer posted. It, it really got to be a strain, um, on me. Um, I'm not going to say that either of them was right. Certainly I would rather be on the ringer side. It just was so happened that the ringer side was the Brian side. Um, that's tough. And that's really tough. So, Kind of because at the same time it was NBA related content, and Brian recorded a couple of unlistenable NBA podcast segments. Um, I I sort of grouped the NBA in because it was just the same the same relative information stream. Uh, but I really genuinely like had to bail on ever. I just never brought the ringer up ever again after Brian found it. I really I really didn't, and that was sad. It was tough because it wasn't even like it was like, oh, yeah, like Brian was like bring up the Ringer NBA show or he would bring up like uh, the like NBA desktop show that they did or like a bunch of other things. It was just the Bill Simmons podcast every single time. Yeah, which I listened to relatively regularly. It was good. The summer before. Yeah. Yeah. That that one for me is almost all the other ones I think that I've given. I was able to power through by either necessity or the amount that I liked them. Yeah. That was one that actually like genuinely killed something for me yeah. and I was never able to recover. So and that's so sad for you and the ring. So that, that that's how I'm going to bring it home. No, that's fair. Uh, I, I did have, I had my top four. My number five was the NBA. So I'm yeah. glad that it got mentioned. <laughs> um, so my last pick here, this one's a little niche and I think mostly aimed at me, but I'm going to go with the show Fleabag. <laughs> um, this is a show, uh, it was made by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, by all accounts, every review I've ever read of it is absolutely glowing. Um, I've been told by numerous people that I would love it. Uh, the regrettable thing is that one of those people was Brian. And as a result, and I, it honestly should probably be higher up on my list, but I knew you weren't going to pick it, so I dropped it to four. Because I've never watched it. I have legitimately <laughs> never watched this show. Um, and Brian just has to be a reason why. I can't put any other reason to it outside of that. Uh, maybe I should finally sit down and do it. But that the second you said this, the first thing that came to my mind was Fleabag. I was, he's told me a million times that I should watch Fleabag, and I just have refused at every turn. I mean, I, I certainly think that fits the problem. Having no familiarity with Fleabag uh, and never even being I don't in, either, enticed really. to watch it. Um, I, I, but I could see why. I mean, I, I've certainly been in the camp of avoiding watching things that Brian's recommended. So I, I can get inside the mind. And really, the main takeaway that I think I'm taking from this is that I think I just need to go home and watch Fleabag now. Yeah, I mean, really... I think if this was a lesson in anything, it's a lesson in the fact that we really suck as like <laughs> bad people. We, we suck. Um, Cause these are really not big, big problems. Uh, but then again, I'm standing by it. Fuck you, Brian. Fuck everything you like. And <laughs> if you want me to do something, tell me you hate it. So if it's the worst thing you've ever watched, then I might think that it's a little bit like dull and then I'll just be like, Oh, 
fucking bring this on. All right, John. So uh, let's do a, just a quick recap. I yeah. So I took uh, as my four Kanye, uh, the Bill Simmons slash the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, I forgot. The you went thing. out of order here a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely. Okay, okay. I. I do you want me to do it? Because I have your yes. Written down. You you go first. Okay. Well, so I so I did the state of Colorado, Quentin Tarantino, Reddit, and Fleabag, the Phoebe Waller Bridge show. Um, yeah. So I did Kanye, the letter O. Yeah. The letter phones, o. phones, and Bill Simmons slash the NBA. Okay. Did you have any honorable mentions that I didn't bring up? Um. Yes, I had margaritas. Uh. Another <laughs> one that I've. Another one that I've powered through. It's sort of in a in a similar. I had it in a family with pina coladas. I had cocktails whiskeys. written down. Yeah, whiskey sours, but it's like specific cocktails that were ruined. But margarita is sort of just emblematic. I didn't give it because Brian and I actually had a very touching and personal moment surrounding margaritas uh, on a ski slope, That's and true. so I didn't. I didn't want. I, we've. I think Brian and I have reached an understanding on margarita, That's so good. I'm not gonna. I wasn't gonna call that one out. The second one is cane sauce, and this isn't the consumption mm. of cane sauce. It's it the is phrase. the production. It's the production of cane sauce, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't know, then cane sauce. Yeah. And that's all I had, John. It's that. Uh, my last thing, and I didn't put coffee. Coffee was my only one. Yeah. It's just so not an option for me that I didn't even consider it. <laughs> it's not an option for you. It, it honestly, maybe it would have been an option for me at some point. Maybe I just would have kept going down the caffeine train, but Brian just kept sitting me down and going like, John, why the fuck don't you drink coffee? You need to drink coffee. And I have dug my heels so far in, the dirt is up to my knees. I am never doing it now for that. <laughs> he is single-handedly responsible for you not drinking coffee. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, I think that was honestly fantastic and really more illuminating for me than it was for probably. Yeah, I think we have some personal things to work on uh, now that we've gotten through that. And without further ado, I think it's time to move on to the interview with the man who put us into this feeble state himself. (laughs) So let's take you to that right now. We live in the past. (laughs) <laughs> You're lost. Okay, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we want to get to the uh, man of the hour, or realistically two hours, if this keeps going at the pace that I'm sure that's already going at. Uh, we would like to now welcome our very own Bryce Wimmate to the pod. Brian, welcome on to your episode. I'm glad to be here, John. Actually, uh, not that glad because it's a bad thing that I'm here. It is. That's the right mentality to have. You shouldn't be... <laughs> shouldn't be proud happy or any any other kind of positive emotion yes this is you're, you are not an honored guest on this episode you are a target uh and we just are also interviewing you so congratulations for that um, i mean I'll, I'll always accept an opportunity to be on the pod so for whatever reason yeah any reason i mean so uh, in your advantage you you did have the opportunity to at least know what was coming uh, unlike Mike, who I told literally nothing uh, whatsoever yeah. prior to his him being on, uh, to the point where when John and I were in the lobby and I was introducing what we were about to do, John John thought that I'd given Mike even some base premise, and I had not. I no. just said the time and a place, and uh, he showed up. Uh, so hopefully you can live up to his example, Brian. I mean, 
Mike was pretty good regardless of background information. So we're going to see now if maybe that coming in cold is better than having any foreknowledge. So, yeah. Brian, you're going to be our test case here. Yeah. Um, okay, well, with that, let's just dive into the questions. Uh, yeah. Colin, take us away. All right, Brian. So uh, I think you know kind of kind of how this is going to go. We're going to try to try to get your impressions of how things went last season, how you're feeling for the, for the upcoming year, and just your relationship with fantasy in general. So um, I guess my first question is really just about your history with the sport. Um, so what is it like having won the league in a format so outdated that no one cares about your win? Like it's pretty much considered to be irrelevant, like, like basketball before black people could play um, just kind of winning in such an outdated format. Um, you know, that was your only, your only taste of success. And then, and then you've kind of sucked since then. So how, how does it feel to have that early victory uh, followed by profound and extended a failure um i mean i'll just start off with saying my name's on the peach hog the same number of time as yours you still participated in that season so and i beat you so um but anyway um i mean it does feel it does feel like um maybe the game has passed me by a little bit maybe i'm still running the triangle when everyone else is <laughs> shooting threes um but uh <laughs> Um, Brian's you know, running the ball up the gut every single play <laughs> while the Chiefs are spread every, every... <laughs> yeah I'm playing trestle ball in the era of the spread <laughs> offense has Zach but, uh, ever told you that it's a PPR league Brian <laughs> yeah. um, you know we're, we're just learning um, we've made some good hires in the front office and we're really excited to see what we can do um, we did hamstring ourselves a little bit this year, which I'm sure you will touch on soon in the coming questions. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to just move on from these past two seasons where I lost the league and then um, probably was the most talented team ever to miss the playoffs. So, you know. Certainly in, certainly in contention for that crown, yeah. I, I would say. Top uh, loser. Yeah. Eh, you know, not sure. Not sure if, if I'm ready to give it away just yet, but. But yeah, certainly in contention there. So, okay, I mean, I appreciate your, your perspective on it. Um, yeah. yeah um, and, and just understanding that maybe some scheme changes uh, are, are all you really need to get you over the finish line. Yeah, you know, it's tough to pin down. Was it coaching? Was it front office? Was it the owner? Was it everyone? Yeah, I, I'm leaning more towards the, the latter than any of the former, but I don't know. Well, if I look at last season, the big front office mistake was not – making that trade sooner um before it was arguably too late and that there was no margin for error maybe i should have made it a little bit sooner when there was a little bit of margin for error so you so you'd rather you'd rather shoot yourself in the foot you know a week before the big game where it could at least be partially patched up yeah rather than shooting yourself in the foot you know during pregame warm-ups Either way, you're getting shot in the foot by yourself, uh, but it just is a timing thing. Um, I mean, if the the shooting to the foot is inevitable, I guess I'd rather get it over with sooner. Have you considered the fact that it may not be inevitable? <laughs> you Have didn't you debated that. <laughs> you did, in fact, make it make a choice to, um, to to do the shooting in and around the area of the foot. Someone had to do it. 
Well, that's fair. I, I, I appreciate that perspective. So, um, yeah. All right, John, uh, I think we'll move on to your first question. Yeah. Uh, so, Brian, in a similar vein, actually, um, why, in your opinion, has your time in the league not translated to more success? Because you've been in the league for as long as anyone else. Why are you not in these echelons of Paul and Charlie of, like, it being a rarity when you miss the playoffs? Well, it used to be a rarity when I missed the playoffs. It was really just um, before, like, this past two-season stretch. Um, yeah, but you I were really only... good at getting into the playoffs with records under 500. Sorry. Well. Could I also make an amendment that Brian is saying that it's only been bad for the 33% of the, like, league history that we're currently in? Yeah, I mean, that would be, Noted. like... Yeah, it, it is It is the most recent, the most recent times. Yeah, um... I mean, I always, I always, uh, I mean, even the year I won the league, I, I think I was still like eight and seven in the regular season or something like that. So, um, you know, the regular season has never been my forte, um, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have anything more to add to that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, do you, do you think that you know in order to keep up with kind of the arms race you you've you've tried to play a more intellectual game than your have the facilities to play? Would you say that that could be a, a part of it? So you're asking if I'm playing checkers while you guys are playing chess? I, I'm asking if you're watching a bunch of chess players and, and you're you decided to move on to chess pieces, but you're still moving them like they're checkers pieces. Oh. Um, how about you start giving me less specific questions so I know how to answer them? Because apparently, like as this uh as you like look at my fantasy football record over the past two years, I'm not the most uh intellectually talented person, so you know. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. I see now he's saying he's too dumb to understand the questions. Yeah. If he's too dumb to win at fantasy, he's too dumb to understand the questions. I feel like he's been answering the questions fine. I also feel like the question of why are you not better because you've been in the league longer is not that complicated. I was I was offering up options for you to agree to or deny. Um, All right, Ryan, fine. You didn't like you didn't like those questions. I guess right. we'll just keep moving on. We got a and, lot more. Um, and I guess we'll talk about something that's a little more recent. So maybe, apparently, according to you, you you don't have the sort of recall necessary to think back over multiple seasons. So yeah. let's to talk quote, about your 2021. My, oh, I was just going to say, to quote my favorite politicians, I do not recall. <laughs> you, have, you have been stopped. Okay. <laughs> how, how do you, so, so let's talk about 2021. So how, how do you feel about your 2021 trade performance? Is there any way to frame it as not screwing yourself for both 2021 and 2022? Um, not really. No, but I mean, it was a bad trade. Um, I mean, if it worked out, um, it probably would have. It. I knew it was a gamble when I made it. Um, I was just like, I've got a lot of really solid players, and if I get like if I just improve where I needed to improve, which was tight end at the time, um, I'm, it might've pushed me over the hump. But um, the thing that I knew was, the thing that I knew about was the biggest risk about it was that the Chiefs still had their bye week at the time. And 
um, I lost that game. But then having Tyreek Hill as well, right? yeah, and Mahomes and Kelsey. But um, what I didn't expect was for them the week after that to combine for all of like twenty points or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty tough. Was the Mahomes Allen swap initiated by you, or was that something that Paul wanted to make the trade? Um, I initiated it because I was like doing for the some highway. Reading. Uh, I wanted the highway first of all. Two lane, um, two lane highway. It should, it must be stated. True. And I was sort of inspired by you winning the league previously with those three players. I was like, yeah, maybe proven formula. It's a copycat league, folks. Yeah, and then also, um, I mean, Josh Allen, he was good, but he wasn't like amazing at that point and then he and then i was looking at his schedule and like reading some analysis that was like josh allen actually has one of the hardest remaining schedules for a quarterback remaining but it turned out it didn't matter because he might be the best quarterback in the league and he lit it up <laughs> yeah uh, during that time so yeah, yeah, um yeah. it i mean there are some there are some tactical errors or strategic is the better word on my part um and then just luck wasn't on my side. That's fair. I mean, I, I'd say that's I, that's how I would say it as well. Another, I was kind of wondering, how how did you end up with Aaron Rodgers on your team at the end of the year? Did I have him on my team? At you had him on your bench during for the playoffs. It's just kind of funny because I was looking at your roster today and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I was looking at all your players and I saw you had Aaron Rodgers and I was just like, Wow, so he also had the MVP on his yeah. roster and uh two time. And uh it didn't it still didn't work out. I think that if I'm remembering correctly, I don't remember I think I picked him up for Mahomes' bye week and just kept him because Probably. there wasn't someone better on the waiver wire. Probably. Just as like an insurance. All right. Thank you, Brian. I think you did a really nice job answering that question. I want you to know because it seems like you want validation along those lines. So good job. I appreciate the validation. All right, John, you're up. Yeah. Um, Okay, Brian. To, To make this a little more personal for you, how disappointed would your students be if they could see your fantasy football performance? And as a follow up, would you be bullied for it? Um. Well, they're eighth graders, so they try to blow me on a daily basis. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But um, no, they. I don't think they. I don't think they're really aware of fantasy football. Honestly, like really? even the ones that like follow sports don't really seem to play it. Um, they don't talk about it. I think maybe it's like a something they're a little too young for. Um. But they would, if I told them they would that I lost in something in spectacular fashion, and I didn't even lose, but like you know, just failed. But you have, you have. They, I have at one failed. Point. You have, they would yeah. definitely, they would definitely make fun of me for it in some way. Can you? What's can the you, What's the worst way you've ever been bullied? Yeah. Yeah. What made you crack the other day? Oh, it was the last day of class, and like. I still had stuff to go over because we have a final, which is honestly a really stupid idea for middle schoolers to like have um, a final on the last day of the year. But that was out of my hands. I had to do it. Um, 
so I was trying to review with them and they were like, it's the last day of class. We don't want to do anything. And, um, they were all like, just kind of crazy. And, um, at one point, I guess I'll get into the specifics. At one point, um, students were trying to tear apart a chair. I was asking for help. <laughs> I was asking for help. Um, cause like, I'm like trying to stop them, but I'm like, Hey, I need these kids removed from class. And they're like, I was just not getting responses and it was just going crazy. And then like things built on, um, built on that like precedent. Cause it was very early on in the class and like the whole class just kind of went a little crazy. I also got, um, there's this one girl that I have that, um, just likes to cuss out teachers. So she took that as permission to like, you know, just cuss me out in front of the class. And then, well, you, you know, can go fuck yourself, you know, just as a rule, but yeah, it doesn't feel. What, what did she tell you? I don't know. It's usually not that creative insult of insults, but you know, like you can't really have a student cussing you out in front of the class because like without like punishment, but when, um admin wasn't like responding to my messages saying like i need these students removed from class there's like not much i can do other than just ignore it that's fair D did anybody succeed in dismantling the chair yeah i really want to hear more about this chair did, yeah. did the chair make it to the summer? it was a it was a partially broken chair so it's like low hanging you know, like, there, there's like a plastic top with the metal legs and mm -hmm. like this plastic top is like screwed onto them yeah, and one of the the screws on one side were already out, and they were just prying it and prying it and prying it, and then it, yes, they succeeded in breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is the answer there is yes, they did. Yeah, and I obviously um, support them in their quest. Gotta be honest, it was it was probably the most out of control that my class had been, um, and it was just like the they were all infected with like the last day of school virus. The real it's, contagious. It's, it's gotten us all. Yeah, uh, you know, we're 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 not to, no one to judge. All uh, right. Normally, uh, normally my classes are pretty well run. I would say. Really. Yeah. That's Don't uh, break an arm drinking yourself off there, Brian. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, John. Um, so we're gonna just move on and go back to fantasy football here a little bit. Yeah. Um and. My next question is, um, what Mike Gusecki caliber tight end do you think you'll be shopping around week eight uh, for for Darren Waller? Uh, I'm assuming you the Kelsey is a, a fool me once, never get <laughs> don't get fooled again uh, kind of situation. Uh, but but you know what do you think? Is it going to be Darren Fells? Is it going to be uh, mm, Robert Tanyan? A guy in the Jets, maybe? I don't even know who. So those two, those guys you mentioned definitely are on uh, Gusecki's level. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking that tier is more like, um, oh, what's the name of the guy that Falcons just drafted? Pitts. He's not going to have a quarterback, but he's going to be a big name. Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts. So I could see Kyle Pitts being the guy I'm shopping around next year. Um, since Matt Ryan's not there anymore, he's probably not going to put up that many much fantasy points. Don't believe in Marcus Mariota, clearly. Or Desmond Ritter, I guess. Uh, neither does most of the NFL. Um, no, no, no one in the NFL believes in Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Um, 
that's fair. I think some other tight ends. There's um, like the Patriots ones. They have Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith, right? Yeah, and I've already barked at the Johnny Smith tree, so I feel like it'd be, <laughs> it'd be, uh, uh, I just wouldn't want to go through that again. Like Jared Cook is someone I could see myself shopping around. Yeah, there. Gerald uh, Everett. I feel like is in your Brian category. Uh, Rob Gronkowski. You gonna bark up the Will Disley tree again? If we're talking about trees, you barked up. I remember um, your dislocated Achilles team. Um, you can never count out Jack Doyle. <laughs> you can't. Surprisingly athletic. Moelle Cox. Um. Yeah, I, I, Brian. Some you do. You are undefeated in being in tight end hell, and that includes when you have Travis Kelsey on your team. So it seems like it's just permanent. It, it, there is no cure. What it is, is it's a you problem. It's not a tight end problem. It, it is somehow a you problem. I'm trying to think, like, who would be better than Kelsey next season? Like, would there be a tight end drafted before Kelsey next season? You can make the argument for probably only, like... No. I don't even know. Are you yeah, going to say the 49ers else? guy? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Kittle. 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 No, Kittle's not really going before him. Yeah, I don't actually. It, it might be nobody. You're, you might be right. It's probably still going to be Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially uh, a Tyreekless Chiefs with Kelsey. It's probably still a good bet. Yeah. What is he? How old is he now? Thirty. I'm gonna look it up. No idea, but apparently his girlfriend dumped him because they weren't splitting, or they were splitting all of their expenses or something. I don't know. He's 32. 32. Um, well, I would dump him, too, because he fucked me over. And <laughs> Glad to know that, Brian. Glad to know that you would not accept Travis Kelsey's love. Um, okay. Uh, so, Brian, for my last question, uh, and this one is really as recent as I could possibly make it. What would you say you're worse at, fantasy football or getting logged onto this podcast with sound working? And, you know, before you get to that, Brian, let's give people a little peek behind the curtain here. We got set up at, um, I sent the link a little bit early. You guys probably logged on, like, maybe, like, a minute or two before 7.30. Um, or, sorry, uh, before 8.30. Brian wasn't, like, with, like, sound and able to, we could hear him, he could hear us for 10 full minutes. Yeah, it was at least 10. So... Yeah, I guess Brian, you can go ahead and answer. Yeah, what do mind. you think you're what do you think you're worse at? Um, probably the sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, feel like I think that's the only correct answer. Uh just because that at least that at least keeps you uh sucking in a very niche category, whereas yeah. fantasy is a little more point. I will partially blame this website because when I use my AirPods oh, for yeah. Teams or Zoom, um I don't have these problems. Yeah, uh, it's, it's weird just... that the website worked fine for both me and John. It's true. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a I'm not a podcast host. I'm a I'm a guest. So that much I'm becomes guest. evident more and more every day, Brian. I gotta say, that is that is true. Yeah. And, and so I guess we should all just be happy for that <laughs> in more ways than one. All right, last question. Uh, so so Brian, this is a question we're asking everybody. Um, what what's going to be different? about this year make make the pitch and yours is going to be harder even than mike's 
yeah. that you make the playoffs this year? Um, well, what's different this year than any year in the past is I don't have a first-round pick, so we'll just start there. Um, That's not a feather in your cap, though. I wouldn't call it that. Yeah. It's not a feather in my cap. It's just a difference. So you're saying um, that what's going to be different this year is you'll actually be worse. Um, I do, I do have, like, if I had to, like, be optimistic. Um, if you had some, to be. I'm forcing I, you. I had some, um, intriguing keeper possibilities. I think That's I drafted Waddle in the seventh. Uh, Antonio Gibson wasn't, like, great this past season, but I still have him, and I could get him in the tenth if I wanted to. Um... I have Najee Harris in the second, so if I get a, uh, if I get a low, if I, like, end up drafting, if I don't get a draft pick until, like, pick 20, like, if that's how the order falls, like, if I end up getting the first round pick and it goes to Paul, um, I would definitely have to consider keeping him just for, from a value standpoint. So yeah. I still have, I could still get a true RB1, um, than at the expense of most other positions at that point. But, um, you know... Yeah, it's bleak, isn't it? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when the... Uh, sometimes when it's just really hard, you just have to see what you're made of. Um, I don't think I'm made of the fantasy football... Um, What's the right word? Prowess to overcome this hurdle. So I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Confidence isn't high for next season. Yeah, I'm hearing but, that. But you know, anything can happen. Um, it's a. It's a. It's just a crapshoot every single season. Maybe everyone else gets injured, and I just get lucky. We can pull and pull through. Um, if not, we could just be have it be a rebuilding season, you know, tank for picks next year, uh, trust the process, um, you know, just really get my Sam Hinky on. What process, really? Because if it's your process, I would be a little wary of it, if I'm being completely honest with you. Well, I don't have any other options other than my process, so would you like me to, like, have a ghost manager next season? I'm just saying, we kind of pitched it to another owner. It's been discussed. <laughs> Can you elaborate? Did you listen to the last episode? Yeah, I don't remember that part. Oh, it was. We strongly implied to Mike that his only way out of this was to get a ghost manager. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I believe the term um, was more that he should outsource for some talent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never know. Like maybe I. Uh, Maybe I pull off a trade that ends up working really well for me, although I haven't done that in a very long time. I think my last, like, really good trade was when uh, I got Le'Veon Bell from Colin um, for Mike Evans. Yeah, that was a good one for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, you just kind of got to see how it goes. That Don't don't we all, Brian? Well, you heard it here first, uh, folks. Brian doesn't believe he's made of the fantasy football prowess. <laughs> direct direct quote. So um, we'll see how the season question. goes. I have a question for Colin, actually. Okay. So 
you're new at this. Um, this is your second posted podcast. How are you going to fill Charlie's shoes? I mean, not specifically Charlie's shoes because you wouldn't want to do that to your own feet, but um, you know, bad figurative shoes. term. Well, I think there's a couple things working in my favor. Number one is that Charlie has freely admitted that he's lost his fastball, and I think that even before he admitted that, all of us can kind of tell that Charlie's fallen by the wayside a little bit. Um, so I, I would say the shoes, as far as the podcast, are a lot smaller than they once were. Um, Charlie maintained just... semblance of performance last year, uh, but but if if his conduct outside of podcasting had any carryover into how he would do this year, I would I would not have been looking for high ratings. Um, so I think that I think that that is working in my favor. And the second thing is, I'm not going to try to be Charlie. Um, I think that uh, certainly allegations of personal misconduct are important, and that we should consider them. Um, you know, when we're when we're thinking about about things and about players and about the team that we support. So that's one thing, one area in which I think I'll divert um, from Charlie. Um, I'm going to try to be two dimensional. Uh, so that's another area. That I think I'll I'll try to move away. So I'm I'm really just going to try to do my own thing. Uh, you I don't want to be two dimensional. Not one dimensional. Oh, that's okay. Kind of, that's kind of what I'm I'm going for. Um, so yeah, Brian. Sense. I don't know if that helps you. So we know we know that Charlie has become a very one dimensional person um, in the past year or so, with uh, how he shows up in in not it's not the group me anymore. It's the Discord, but uh, and the meme chat. Yeah. But I felt like he still, he didn't lose his fastball when it came to the podcast. It was just that he wasn't around very often. So He was not guess, on the podcast a lot. Yeah, so um, where he fell short last year was just availability. And I, find, I still find it hard to believe that Charlie couldn't find an hour or two on a, once a week at a time that works for John. But that's neither here It seems here like there. these are questions for Charlie. Um. Yeah, but he'll hear this. Um, how? But Charlie did bring a certain entertainment element to the podcast. How do you think that you two will make up for that now that Charlie isn't here? Colin, to be clear, Brian, essentially what he wants here is just the ability to just rail against Charlie without any fear of, like, rebuttal, which we know Brian doesn't do well with. So it's this is the best possible scenario. So let's humor him. <laughs> Well, I'm also kind of railing against you because, like, maybe maybe Colin has been a uh, like John was always the guy that kept things going. Charlie was the color commentator that added a little bit of electricity. So, what what electricity is Colin going to bring to the podcast? You know, Brian, I think that uh, certainly I'm not going to be able to be Charlie if that's if you're looking for Charlie in life. Um, I suggest. You know, you go out to some Browns backers bars and find the guy with the smelliest feet and the most obnoxious voice and, you know, just try to make a new friend. But I don't think he has I, to go that far. I think you just go to Charlie's mom's house and then you'll find him pretty quickly. If there's a Charlie-sized hole in your life, it's not something I'm going to be able to fill and I'm not going to pretend that I will. Um, no, and I think the, the biggest thing that we're looking forward to is that because Charlie and I did this for so many years, uh, we very much got into a routine, and the fact that effort would have been required to break that routine made it borderline impossible to do so. 
So just the actual fact of having a new person and new ideas on this, I think is just at a baseline going to make this an interesting next year of the podcast and uh, in a probably a very different way than it was in past years. Um, but I think it's going to be probably very energizing for the whole system. And and frankly, Brian, if no one likes it, then we'll, we'll take that feedback and I'll be happy to, and I'm sure John will be happy as well to spend two less hours per week making things for a very close group of friends that they may or may not enjoy. So I will be so happy to just fuck off. I will. I, that's my favorite part about getting threatened of getting booted off the podcast. I dare you. I dare you to take this away from me. No, so yeah, it, we'll see how it goes. I certainly really. think we're already trying to we're already trying some new things. Uh, this is a format that we've never we've never done before, and I think could yeah. be potentially interesting. The early feedback has been somewhat positive. Um, so yeah, I think it really is only something that we can we can try to go and 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 see how people respond. Uh, there's not really anything else I could do other than that. All right. Well, I would like to point out to the listeners that his hands in front of his mouth now, but John has like kind of the inverse Hitler going. He's got like a bald spot right under his nose. Right there. And then the the rest of the mustache is filled out. So very, very anti-racist of him. Yeah. I'm pretty inclusive. Kendi would be proud. I generally try to just not acknowledge mustache, John. Um, just generally, but look, if you have any, now that you pointed out, now that you pointed out, you are correct. If there are any complaints, please address them to Gabriella Messina. Uh, you can find her, I don't know, someplace. Uh, and um, yeah, just just tell her. Because every time I say I'm going to shave it, I get yelled at. So that's the world that we're living in now, folks. Look at you. Know. you. You I, wanted electricity, Brian. There you go. I don't yeah. understand it any more than you do. Okay. Well, Brian, thank you very much. We really appreciate you being on and taking the time here. Um, And, you know, just for your thoughts and your honesty. So uh, do you have any closing remarks for the people? Not that you've you've kind of been able to talk for the last five minutes uninterrupted, but, you know, if you have any other ones. Um, Closing remarks? Um, No. No. Okay. That's fair. All right. Well, thank you again, Brian. Uh, And now we are going to move on to our next segment. And we'll take you there right now. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Um, or sorry, I guess. I don't know. Now that I'm just in an apology. I'm not really that sorry, actually. I'm not really that sorry. Um, but yeah, thank you, Brian. We do appreciate the time. Um, I think we can say this now, now that we're past it. Less electric than Mike. Yeah, a little bit. Although I do appreciate that he tried to ask a hard question of us. He did. Uh, that was certainly a, a, a no, a no you or a, or a reverse card. Um, I don't really know that Brian has the sauce to play that kind of card um, and get get the reaction that that he needs, but I appreciated the attempt. He did do it, um, and yeah, he. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll go on to the next episode. And we'll see if this is a trend that we should just catch people unawares more often, and maybe that's yeah. the answer. Um, all right. Well, we're going to move on to our next segment now, uh, which is going to be a little thing called family business. How's your son? He made the team this year? He said he wasn't tall enough. 
all the glitter. It's my goal. Yeah, we're going to cook this song. Gold is not reality. is what you live. That's your new girlfriend. This is family business. And this is for the family that can't be with us. And this is for my... Okay, so this is going to be a very similar... Um, style to last time we talked about mike and his nephew and niece uh of a name that we don't still don't fully understand um and so we are going to uh now discuss rather than that we actually had a recent experience with brian's family pretty directly con why don't you uh walk us through that yeah i'd say we had a fairly intimate exposure to uh some to brian's family uh we were invited to be the bartenders at Molly, for those of you who don't know, Molly is Brian's lookalike sibling and um, sister, I should say, clarify. Uh, and she was getting married uh, a couple weeks ago in Mount Vernon, Ohio. So me, John, and Gary went up there uh, for for that event, and we figured that for this podcast segment, rather than really, you know, for Mike, we were talking more about disappointment, things like that. We figured we could just give you some perspective on what we what we observed from the Easterling clan as a broader entity uh, through that through that event. And let me tell you folks, it was it was honest first of all, it was so much fun. Let's it really was there. a lot of fun. It was an it absolute was blast. Uh, if I ever get the opportunity to just bartend a wedding like for one random weekend, I will take it in a heartbeat because it was just a great fucking time. If you and if you need a bartender we're we're ready. We're, we're ready to go. We still have a sign that we can write cocktails on if we need yeah, to. We got a sign. We got That's a all sign. We, all that really needs to be said. That's all we brought. I do think next time we do aprons. I think that aprons were a, probably a good idea uh, with the benefit of hindsight. But so yeah. So to to sort of wrap it up, um, or to like wrap the whole experience into one thing, uh, we got to this venue and we were essentially so we didn't buy any alcohol really we bought some mixers and stuff to just sort of suit our needs but we were pretty much told we're gonna show up and there's gonna be a shitload of beer a bunch of liquor and you guys will just work with that which was fine for us and we showed up and our like jaws hit the floor because we were essentially like there's absolutely no way that this much liquor is necessary yeah it was really a lot uh it was an absolute ludicrous amount we were like there is no way that we're gonna get through this and we ran out of several things throughout the course of the night. Easily, I mean, with hours to go, like, we ran out of... That's specifically the liquor. There yeah. was two industrial-sized fridges filled with bot canned beer, White Claws, things of that nature, and we were nowhere close to running out of those. No. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the family... It, it, was, an, it was a feather in their cap, uh, the damage that they were able to do to, to the materials available no they threw some uh they threw some things back um and and we got to give them you know some credit for that uh so i figure john oh sorry go ahead no 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 please yeah introduce some format i figure for um for family business what we should do is each of us just pick two of our two notable things and we'll just sort of we'll just sort of unpack them please um yeah and and i think you went first in the mount rushmore so i'll go first yeah and the obvious, uh, this isn't a ranking, this is just to, to call them to mind, but we got to experience a Brian drunk uncle. And this was this was a true drunk uncle situation um, at about 4.30 p.m. This reception went till 11. Mm-hmm. Um, at about 4.30 p.m., Brian's uncle 
don't know his name, showed up. Dan. Dan. Uncle, Uncle Dan. Dan. He yeah. showed up in a polo, some slacks, and absolutely plastered. Yes. Uh, I guess he had been drinking at the tent or the yes. camper that they have in Apple Valley. Um, and so basically this man was on one, was very disappointed that there weren't Michelob Ultras. I don't know if he has any Cincinnati heritage, but he had to settle for Coors, Coors Light. He has to. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had to settle for Coors Light. And really, he never he never dialed it back from the moment that he showed up. So at one point, this guy... So first of all, he dropped like his second beer. It, it exploded all over the floor. Everywhere. Just dropped it. There was not many people there, so it was very clear what had happened. Um, second, he had brought the sound system uh, for that we used to like make announcements and play music. And so he was sort of... I was making some announcements, which is just ignore that for now um incredible and he was manning manning the audio sort of making sure that the level levels were right and anyway uh one of molly's molly's husband's brother had a had a um a man bun and uh brian's uncle wow in not a whisper just tells me while he's standing we're standing right behind him look at fucking man bun here <laughs> just okay then he he has a there's a father-daughter dance mm-hmm. does his dance with his two daughters who are in his credit very tall yeah. and after he comes he comes back he comes up to me and he's like my kids so fucking tall fucking bitches that that was his take that was his take um later comes up to the bar with his with one of his daughters says this is my kid and me and gary i think we're there and we're just like okay and she was like can i go (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then basically this guy was just on one the entire night he was he was completely delirious uh the entire evening and and that but that was uncle dan i don't know if you had any other specific interactions with him but the guy was out of control I'll toss in two, uh, one happy and one sad. And we'll start with the sad one, actually, because I feel like that's more appropriate. This dude at some point just grabs me. Like, I, we're, it's like towards the end of the night, we're kind of like not bartending as much. Uh, and like, people are just kind of going back and like grabbing beers out of a fridge. It's not really that hard. And we're standing there and this guy just kind of grabs me, puts a hand on my shoulder. I have met this man, to Colin's point, about six hours prior. And have exchanged probably like 30 words back and forth. Most of them being like, thanks for the beer. Like, yeah, minimal words, minimal words. He pulls me aside. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, my brother-in-law's best friend just died. Massive heart attack. <laughs> it was like, he's, he like nods over. He's right over there. He's really upset about it. And he just walked away. Yeah, I, I don't know. What I was to do with that information, I simply have no idea. <laughs> um, I probably will never know what he intended I, I, for me to do with it. I hope that you never know. Because I, that would imply that you had to talk to him again. That's uh, an incredibly good point. Uh, my second thing, which is a lot more fun, was that um, this dude was getting so many drinks and it was a course late every time. Like yeah, uh, every clockwork. Time. Automatic. Uh, Whatever between the three of us, it was mostly Garrison, but the two of us kind of stepped in periodically. 
we had to, it was kind of his rule. We had to spy him from like 30 feet away before he even got up to the bar. And then we had to sprint back, grab him a Coors Light, open it and hand it to him by the time he got there. And then he just sort of like tip it to us and then just go back to the dance floor. Yeah, he was, he was pretty routine. Uh, and honestly, it made it easy because other people would like order cocktails and stuff. And uh, he just wanted a Coors Light. So that was, that was Drunk Uncle Dan. He was um, and then I, I guess for my second one, um, I will go with, just for those of you wondering if we were allowed to drink at this event, mm-hmm. um, with, with approximately two hours left, we just have completely abandoned our duties and handed off bar responsibility to two random girls that I, I don't know who they were or what their relationship. Still to the, don't. They told us their names. I don't really remember what they were. Or what their relationship to the bridal party and the families in general was, but uh, we just sort of let them take over. Um, they were bad at it too. They were really bad. Awful. Uh, and they were like making people cocktails that were actual, like what Eli and I made freshman year when we made like grog, uh, <laughs> we, where we called it grog. They were actually just making grog for people. And yeah. you could kind of tell that half the people at the event, at the event didn't realize that me, Garrison and John weren't like paid workers that yes. were actually because we did coordinate a uniform where we all wore the same pants shirt and paisley suspenders we looked very Um, official we did and so there was a certain amount of consternation about the fact that we had just that we stopped (laughs) there was also a lot of consternation about the fact that we were like kind of like at times bad at our job like we're like like there were times where we were like making drinks and i'm clearly looking at the ratios like on the little sheet that colin had made like trying to put together and, and i think like it was you really had to have had the word of mouth conversation with us that we weren't actually that we were really just volunteering. Yeah. Uh, we were doing this for free. Yeah, we were just like yeah. hanging out. So, so that that was certainly an interesting uh, an interesting portion of the night. I, I had it marked just as bar takeover, uh, where yes, we, I was hammered, yeah. and with about two hours left, I just abandoned the bar entirely, and uh, I think was in and around the dance floor uh, for the rest of the rest it, of the evening, which was fun. It was yeah. a good time. Uh, and I believe at that point, while we were all out there, Brian did play WAP, much to his mother's dismay. Yes, Brian did play WAP in full view of every grandparent, mother, and child uh, in attendance. Absolutely all of them. Yeah, there were several people who like clearly were a little annoyed with our like behavior, and I was just a little like... It's like, you're going to find out eventually why this is okay. So I'm Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so my two. Uh, Con, I'm going to start here. Well, I'll start with the less interesting one, I think. So I'm going to start with uh, within the first. So we got there a little early. We kind of got set up and then people started to roll in. And within the first 15 minutes of that window, when people were just starting to arrive, uh, a woman walked up to the bar, uh, a woman who I later identified as, I believe, Nick's aunt. I think that was the case. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and walked up to me and looked me dead in the eyes and said, is that what, what is a uh, Nick's last name again. Do you remember? Fuck. Gaston. Gaston. Yes, thank you. So she looks at me dead in the eyes and she says, and again, to all appearances, we are not random dudes. We are people working the event. <laughs> and she looks at me and goes, is this the Gaston wedding? And I kind of look around and go, no, this is the Easterling wedding. What are you talking about? <laughs> And I, she like looked around really confused and I thought about it for a second. I was like, ah, sorry. There was a second and it's the, yeah, no, you're in the right place. Yeah, no, you're good. 
And let me tell you, Colin, she did not laugh that off. She was not. Ha- she just like walked away, like really pissed off. Like oh, this fucking guy doesn't even know what wedding he's working. This is going to be. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Meanwhile, I, I as evidenced by just now, I still don't know their last name. Well, uh, at the time, I, will I say- knew it. The, the reason that I remember is because when I was doing the announcements and had to announce the new couple, Molly and Nick Gaston, I actually had to request a line from Brian because as I was mid-sentence, I realized that I didn't remember his last name. Um, oh and that was in front of the entire reception. So this was really the level of preparation that uh, went into into what happened. <laughs> And to be clear, we had a whole sign with all of our cocktails and all the ingredients of those cocktails written out. Did we think to ask what the groom's last name was? Not even for a no, second. No, that seemed secondary. I really would have also said that it was the Easterling wedding. I was very confident about it, too, at the time. I was, And it struck me as weird in the moment, too. I was like, that's so weird that there would be another wedding around here at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I think I know what your next one's going to be. I, it, You better. So the second one is... Um, so we were towards the end of the night, people had gotten to know us pretty well. And so people were kind of like behind the bar with us talking to us while we were making drinks. And they were all like pretty nice. We had like gotten to know like a couple of the people around our age. And I'm overhearing this guy tell a story. And I believe he was talking about Miami. Or Not no, positive. No, I think he was talking about. I think he was talking about Nashville. And I believe he referred to it as it's like Miami, but without the F words, uh, the slur uh, is is what I'm referring to here. Yes. And Colin and I both stopped what we were doing and like turn to each other, just sort of made eye contact. And we're like, ah, (laughs) and we were both, I think we both decided in that moment, like it's not worth it to address this. Let's just keep moving on. Like, let's just pretend that we didn't hear this and sort of not talk to that guy anymore. Yeah. I was just going to cut him out of, like, thinking about. Yeah, it's just like, whatever. We'll just, whatever. Brian had a homophobic, maybe distant relative. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But then the guy, we were doing it for long enough, that the guy caught my eye and turned to us and went, oh my god, no, no, I am so sorry. I say this as a man who loves penis. And we... <laughs> I was just like, what, what ride or what, what universe are we living in right now? And the simulation both, is flawed. We both were like, I mean, we both, that actually somehow gave us more pause than the first thing. <laughs> Cause then we had to process like, what does he mean by that? Was that like a joke? And he was being sarcastic. Is this guy actually like gay? And then he proceeds to tell us, he's like, no, like, yeah, I'm bisexual. Like I, you know, like, it's just like something like, you know, it's, Within that community, it's okay. And we were like, he's trying to reclaim. Yeah. He was trying, yeah. And we immediately were like, oh no, we get that. We just thought you were like a normal straight guy just dropping the old F bomb periodically. Yeah. In regards Which he to. Which really, he really liked that we called him out. So it actually ended up being a, uh, a, a, a point of uh, positivity. It was a evening. point of allyship. And he actually was so happy with us that we, he was like, no. You guys got to keep calling people out because that's it's fucked up when like other people say it and it's like a slur. And we were like, yeah, no, like we don't. That's fine. Like, cool. that makes sense. I'll, yeah. Call you out anytime, buddy. <laughs> but then he proceeded to. So throughout the entirety of the night, we had a tip jar 
sitting right there that was cash only. And so many people came up to us and were like, I don't have cash. Do you guys have Venmo? Because like we'd gotten to know like certain people and they like liked us a lot. And we kept telling them, no, like we're not like it wasn't for money. Like we're not doing this for money. It's just fun. We just want to have enough money to like pay for a golf round the next day. Like that was legitimately all we were looking for. And we were like, we already have that. So don't bother. Like, thank you for the offer, but it's fine. This guy was so thrilled that Connor and I called him out and were being allies, I guess, that he made me take my phone out of my pocket. And like he was like, pull up the QR code. And then he like scanned it. And then he was like, all right. And then he uh, tipped us like 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. The guy was, guy was out of control. The guy so. was uh, very, it went from like one of the weirdest, like most uncomfortable moments to like an extremely also weird, but very pleasant moment in the span of like 45 seconds. Yeah. But, you know, I think really my main, honestly, and, and I know this is an anti-Brian podcast, it but is. one of the main takeaways I had was that Brian's actually a relatively elite Easterling. He is. Um, as far as things go. Um, and maybe maybe it took, I hope everyone gets the opportunity to be at a wedding with a, with a lot of Easterlings, <laughs> um, because you sort of appreciate what you have uh, with, with old Brian swim so um but it, it was fun it, it, was it really fun. was a good time and uh and like i said i'd, I'd bartend uh philanthropically anytime we um, actually we sat bobby and his fiance abby down at some point and we yelled at them because we were like why the fuck would you book bartenders when you had us <laughs> why yes yeah, so we might get invited to bobby's wedding that, which we, would be the real coup we may have swung that yes that yeah. seems to be on the table now all of a sudden uh okay well that was honestly fantastic yeah so that's been uh this week's episode of family business and uh i think looking at the time uh it's time for us to move on to our final segment and our look at the 2022 season Um, okay, yeah. So, we are just going to dive into looking a little bit ahead. Uh, so, Khan, as the person who actually prepared for this, um, what can you tell us about Brian's uh, upcoming 2022? Yeah, so, just looking ahead, um, obviously the most notable thing about Brian's prospects for this year are that, unlike the other members of the Losers Bracket, Brian actually has less draft capital <laughs> than, than average. Uh, so... Brian traded away in the Mahomes-Kelsey trade. He traded away his first-round pick and received Paul's fifth-rounder in exchange. So Brian has no first and Paul's fifth. Obviously, given that, I would imagine that Brian will be looking to pull a later first-round pick. Not necessarily last, because then he'd have to wait 20 spot. He'd be picking his second player at pick 30. It's um, tough, but, yeah. but I would say between six and eight would probably be the best position that Brian could hope for uh, to get his first pick around the 13, 14 range. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, not having a first rounder and not getting it. It's not like Mike and Ben where like Ben's getting an extra third rounder. It's like, yeah, Brian's next pick is in the, his extra pick is in the fifth. So 
It is. It's borderline it's, lottery ticket territory, or like you're taking a quarterback or something. Where like it's really hard to see how Brian is going to leave the draft with anything better than the worst or second worst team. Um, whether or not it works out is like something that maybe could be dependent on just like players overperforming, him doing a, having a really good draft. But on paper, there's no way that he's not going to have a pathetic lineup out of the gate. And it is going to be very interesting because I think we're going to have an opportunity. We were always going to get like an extreme case at some point of this where like somebody had like just like absolute dog shit looking ahead where it's just like, I, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. I thought it would take a few years for somebody to like really just mortgage the future. Uh, but Brian has done it already. So we're going to get to see exactly how that strategy works out. I think, I think it- Brian's best bet is honestly to almost punt the season and try to rally as early as possible. Like, get as much draft value out of whatever he is able to piece together. That being said, if, if you know, his second and third rounder are, like, killing it and he can field competitive teams every week, then, you know, go by all means, you know, good on you. But... Uh, certainly, I think that maybe Brian will be having a two-year lens when it comes to this draft, rather than a one-year lens. Um, keeping in yes. mind things like keeper options, uh, things like young players that could end up having long-term value, that kind of thing. Um, just going for it last year and not even making the playoffs, it just makes it really challenging uh, for the upcoming season, I have to say. It does. Um and the thing that I think the only way that he makes it out of this, I, obviously, like you said, if he has just the across the board overperform, then yeah, he's going to do great. Or like at least yeah. five or six guys. He almost needs to find this year's Jonathan Taylor, like this year's guy who's like a third rounder, who's like going to bump up into the next tier. Yeah, or like that, you know, there's always like the third round rookie running back that just ends up getting all the touches or, or something like that. Um, exactly. Or like a receiver that like all of a sudden new system, something like that, that just like something yeah. clicks and they're all of a sudden like yeah, wide receiver. He almost needs a couple of those uh, to make it really, to really be competitive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say, uh, certainly the draft capital situation. Now, we sh- it should be no- noted, um, I have here his eligible keepers. I may have missed one, but this should be all of the relevant people, because this would would factor into that conversation. Yeah. Um, so he has Najee Harris and Kelsey in the second are keeper eligible. Uh, he also has Godwin in the third, Lockett in the fourth, DJ Moore and Mahomes in the fifth, Jalen Waddle in the ninth, and Gibson in the tenth. So with the Waddle 9-10, certainly value, or Waddle, Gibson, 9 and 10th round, I think certainly value there. Uh, you'll by now have heard the interview where Brian just kind of discusses how he might be able to approach Najee if he ends up getting a early first rounder, yeah. uh, where his first pick would be in the late second round, uh, at which point Najee would be a good value there. Um, but I would say if that doesn't happen, he will probably be looking at Waddle and Gibson, and either of those players are good value. I wouldn't say that either of them are necessarily league winners. Um, given the Tua situation, um, extra competition in that receiving core with the Tyreek trade, um, I don't necessarily think Waddle's a bad player by any stretch, but I don't necessarily see him going ballistic. 
uh, in the upcoming season. And then Gibson was a little inconsistent last year, but yeah, options in the terms of the keepers, it's not necessarily bad. I would say. No. Yeah. I think uh, the big thing is that maybe Brian has to bank on Waddle being that guy this year that jumps from a like, like, okay. Wide receiver two to like, okay, maybe he could be a wide receiver one. Like maybe Tyreek takes the top off the defense and Waddle all of a sudden looks pretty good. And Mike McDaniel's offense works and like the whole thing. Um, yeah. There's certainly things that could go really right there. You um, kind of are banking on that though. Uh, yeah. not banking on it. You need it to happen. If you want to really actually like make the playoffs or something like that this year. And looking at Gibson's season, if he gets the same kind of workload again, that's by no, it's not like a joke. Like Gibson is a good player. Um, yeah, he could be a running back too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he's nice pretty consistent um, running back too. So, not necessarily uh, the worst options. I don't. I don't necessarily think we need to belabor this uh, too much. No. We know that Brian's facing an uphill battle um, with the picks, uh, but maybe attenuated slightly by the keeper. So, let's get into our projected finishing place. Um, and I guess I will lead off. Just given everything that we've talked about, I have Brian finishing. I'm gonna say seventh. It's really seven eight. For me, uh, I, okay. I find it hard to imagine him making the playoffs uh, in the given conditions and given his really current track record of results, uh, including a loss and a loser's bracket appearance in the last two years. Um, so if if Mike goes up, I think Brian comes down and I've got him at, let's say, a soft 7.5. Uh, I'm I mean, slightly more pessimistic. I'm putting Brian in at nine. I think that Brian is smart enough that he's going to keep himself out of actually losing again. Um, That's fair. I think he's not going to trade himself into a bad spot again, hopefully, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he'll not be trigger shy again for some reason. But I do think that Brian falls all the way down. I think he's in the toilet bowl game. I think he just sneaks by on the back of a good draft outside of the fact that he doesn't have a, a, an actual top player. I will say one thing I didn't properly probably consider is that if things don't go great at the beginning, Brian may try to go with the Charlie strategy and aggressively tank, um, which could put him in that position lower than maybe the eighth, lower than maybe eighth place. So I I guess if he's given it a full go, I would say seven to eight, Um, but I could see where you're coming from there. So, um, I guess that brings us to the song of the season. So I, I think last week I, I won this one. Uh, I don't know if it was yeah. really a competition, but I believe my song was the one that got played. It was. Um, I agreed with yours more. Mine was more based purely on my prediction. Yours had more general appeal, I think. <laughs> uh, so I think we'll run it again, uh, and I'll let you go first this time, John. Um, yeah, sure. I think I'm going to go with uh, Over Soon by Bon Iver. Um <laughs> Because I think that Brian, by maybe week five, maybe he'll stretch it into week six. Brian's season will be over. It might, <laughs> it might, it might be over soon. It will be over soon. Um, it will be over sooner than any of the rest of us probably. So um, I like that one because I think he'll also be kind of singing him to himself by the end of the year <laughs> that the season might be over soon. It'll be over soon. Please, God, let it be over soon. I, 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 I am a fan of there. Yeah. Um. I went with uh, That Don't Impress Me Much by Shania Twain. (laughs) Uh, 
if you haven't heard this song before, Meg likes it, and uh, I'm not that's familiar. how I, that's why I've heard it. If you haven't heard this song, I really recommend you listen to it because it's actually pretty fucking funny. <laughs> um, but basically, Shania Twain just sings about like a, a bunch of things that guys do that you know they think they're cool, like being a genius or like really smart or looking like Brad Pitt, and then she says that don't impress me much, and uh, that's kind of how I feel about all the moves that Brian makes in fantasy. He really yeah. does like try to as we've discussed, outsmart the system. Um, and ultimately, that don't impress me much. Uh, until you put numbers on the boards, Brian, um, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in a position to be impressed. So that's what I went with. I think, I think having you never heard it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the tentative W on this one. Okay. Um, but I would ask that you listen to it between when you edit the podcast so that you can uh, make yes, an Yes, that's true. If, if in a few moments... That don't impress me much by Shania Twain plays, then you will know that I listened to it and agreed with Colin so vehemently that I, I <laughs> overruled our own decision. So it'll be a little surprise for both of us. It will. No one will know. Um, yeah, no, I'm very excited. I also think that Brian would somehow appreciate a Shania Twain song more. I, I do too. That's that was I, I figured it was kind of a Brian thing. He has sort of his his kind of somewhat jazz handy mannerisms, and I think it would be uh I think it would be a good vibe him so all right john i think that's gonna wrap up our second episode of hog knocks in two weeks probably i think we're gonna be doing this sundays given john's school schedule right now it's not fun um but in two sundays we will probably be back with our league loser runner-up yeah garrison brown so we'll see you then Uh, but i hope everyone enjoyed the episode john you have any closing remarks uh, no, I don't believe I do. Yeah, as Colin said, keep an eye out for that next one. Very excited to see, um, you know, some of the feedback on this one. And, you know, excited as we keep getting close to the season. Uh, so check back in about two weeks. But until then, peace. Buy a cell for life. They were pretty smart But you've got being right Down to an art You think you're a genius You drive me up the wall You're a regular original Know-it-all Okay, so you're a rocket scientist That don't impress me much So you got the Don't impress me much Uh-huh, yeah, yeah I never knew a guy who carried a mirror in his pocket And a comb up his sleeve Just in case And all that extra whole jail in your hair I'd lock it Cause heaven forbid it should fall out of place Okay, so you're Brad Pitt. That don't impress me much. So you got the looks, but have you got the touch? Now don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're alright. But
Colin, give me like 30 seconds. I got to piss like a racehorse. Okay. You can start if you want. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, how I, I don't know just how wait. I would do that. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> 